What's up, everyone? You are listening to the In The Lead podcast. My name is Jennifer Sang, and this is episode number two. For today's episode, I wanted to have a conversation about how we can all disagree in a more productive way. What do you notice about yourself when you're in a disagreement with someone? Whether it's in the workplace or with family, how do you feel when you disagree? What happens in your body? What do you want to protect? You know, I see so much discourse in the world today, whether it's politics or the coronavirus, family disputes, or just general disagreements within organizations. Everyone seems to have a really strong opinion and no one seems to want to budge. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why should I budge? This is what I believe to be true. What's wrong with that? And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. And I wonder if we weren't so attached to our feelings or beliefs, could we approach the conversation with an open heart and an open mind? Could we be more curious? Could we sit in that discomfort and not protect that belief, but just listen? What would happen if we challenged the way that we relate to our beliefs? Now, I believe that at the root of much of the discourse we see is common ground, which at the end of the day, ironically, connects us all. There is this basic understanding and this basic connection that we all have. And if we have the courage to quiet the noise and keep our hearts and our minds open and lead with curiosity, we give ourselves a better opportunity to respond versus react. Now, in order to do this, I believe that we need to quiet that inner noise to see people as actual people and to create more safe spaces where we can invite others and invite ourselves to express what we're feeling and leave the conversation feeling whole. I want to have a conversation around that discourse and some things that you can do to switch your disagreements from being unproductive to being more fruitful dialogues that move us forward together. At the very least, being open to other opinions might give you great context and insights into something which can potentially shift something for you. How can you be more comfortable even when you're uncomfortable? So today, we'll talk about some tips that you can use and implement to help you have more productive conversations in your everyday life. And before we get started, if you like the show, I would appreciate it if you rated this show wherever you're listening and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. This podcast is something that I'm just launching. So if you have any ideas on future topics you'd like to hear me discuss, I would love to know about it. You can find my contact information in the show notes below. And thank you for joining and welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Jennifer Sang. And if you haven't met me yet, I'm a conscious leadership coach and I get to work with individuals who want to develop a deeper level of consciousness around their leadership. So basically I get to help leaders become great leaders. And I use the leader term in the context of every everyday leadership. So I work with a lot of executives, entrepreneurs, people managers, and everyday people 
who are looking to develop that deeper, richer consciousness in their leadership so that they can show up with more presence, it can be more consistent, and they can lead with that curiosity to discover their own potential and the potential in others. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. The idea for the topic came from a leaders chat conversation that I co-facilitate every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Twitter. And this week we are having a roundtable discussion over Zoom on how to disagree productively. So we see discourse all around us everywhere today, and sometimes it feels like you don't even want to engage in a topic where you might disagree with someone out of fear of the conversation turning toxic or provoking some strong feelings inside of you. You know, we all have those strong beliefs, and I get that. Some things are worth fighting for, for sure. And at what point do we take it too far? This topic has always fascinated me because, you know, in my own journey, I have noticed that I can become really attached to a belief or an idea. And it's almost like having blinders on. You can't convince me like otherwise. You can't budge me at all. And usually I've noticed these conversations tend to happen around politics. And I've definitely gotten myself into a few, more than a few actually, heated discussions in the past until one day I started noticing and I asked myself, what am I trying to protect by getting this upset? And what I noticed was that I was literally getting angry and I was too busy defending my own belief that I wasn't even hearing the other person. I literally wouldn't hear them as they were speaking. I was formulating my rebuttal to what point they were trying to make. So as they're talking, in my mind, I'm literally trying to think of all the ways that I can you know, counter whatever comments that they're making. I didn't really actually hear anything. Um, so for me, it's almost like what this process was for me was taking a step back and just kind of asking myself a few questions. And it was really wild because when you start pausing and noticing your own experience more, it's almost like watching a movie. There's that, that belief or that fleeting moment when it feels like you're having almost kind of an out-of-body experience or something. So for me, it really got me thinking about how can we all have better disagreements so that we can hear one another and find common ground? Because I believe that common ground is the key element that we need to have to have better discussions and be able to disagree more productively and really just accept the fact that we're all different and we're not going to agree with everybody. And that's okay. And it's not about who is right and who is wrong because how will we ever know? And another question I like to ask myself when I'm getting really attached to a belief or a feeling is who's to say who is right and who is wrong? Like, where did I come up with the idea that my belief or what I think is the right thing? And if you honestly ask yourself that, it, I think you might be surprised by what comes up for you. And so I wanted to talk through some things that I've learned in my life on how when I'm feeling really passionate about a topic or I feel really attached to an idea, what are some things that I was able to do to help me get to a place where I can be more of almost like an observer of the conversation rather than playing that major role or like an actor in it where I feel like I have no control and I just let my ego take over. Instead, I'm 
you know, I'm, I noticed that actually I was letting all of my emotions take center stage and really creating that space so that I could connect with the other person and really have a deeper understanding of what they're trying to accomplish really helped give me greater insights and perspective. You know, I actually, I have a really strong belief that we all have a lot more in common than we don't. And so I believe that when we are in disagreements, we are really fixated on kind of the minor points of life where we think, oh, we don't have any common ground. We're not alike. But in reality, I think we have a lot more in common than we don't. So what would happen if we shifted our mindset to instead focusing on the smaller points and focus on the bigger points? What do we have in common? So one of the first things I do as being a certified coach was in my coach training program, we did a lot of work around listening to the thing beneath the thing. So typically in coaching, what we see is like people will come to you with like a problem statement and it'll be usually very generic. Like I want to get promoted or I want to have better conversations. So it was really about kind of getting um, to a place where you could actually hear kind of what's not being said. So understanding what's at the crux of what someone's bringing to that space in that moment, whatever problems are trying to work through, whatever feelings or emotions that are coming up, I find for me, it becomes a lot easier when I am able to hear what is being recognized inside of my own head. So developing that deeper level consciousness. So one of the things that we learned a lot about in the coaching program was developing our second channel communication. So there's a channel communication going on in the moment, right, with another person, but there's always this dialogue kind of running in the background that I've noticed helps drive a lot of my conversations. So who's in control, right? Are we letting our feelings and kind of those other dialogues take control or are we being super present and just coming to the conversation open and curious? So in coach training, they have us really pay attention to that second channel communication, figure out ways to help manage that so that those dialogues don't take over the conversation. So when you're having a one-way channel communication with someone, but there's a dialogue running in the background, I've noticed that the more you start paying attention to that dialogue, the quieter it starts to get. And what I mean by that is a lot of people do like meditation, mindfulness practices. I find that the more I become aware of what that other communication is happening and what it's trying to say, I can discern what is being told to me kind of in the back of my head and what I actually want to communicate. And when we're not, when I find that I'm not necessarily in the lead and kind of noticing all of that background chatter, I notice that a lot of times that communication comes forward and it actually bleeds into that one-way channel communication. So I think just one of the first things I think you could do for yourself to have more productive conversations is just develop a deeper level consciousness by noticing what that dialogue is in your head. Notice it when you're taking a walk. Notice it when you're on the phone with a friend. Notice it when you're in a heated disagreement with somebody at work. But just notice, what do you, what's that conversation that you're hearing? What is it saying? So I feel like when you're able to stay much more present in those moments by quieting that, that other dialogue and really tuning into the person, you're really trying to pay attention and really hear what's not being said. Because a lot of times people will approach a conversation in a protected way. They'll 
maybe state kind of what their belief or feeling or idea is, but they won't kind of tell you what's behind it. What's the root? And and really at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to get at. And I believe it's that root or that crux that really is where we can find a lot of that common ground. So how can you tune into that and be much more present in a conversation? Another thing that you can do is another practice that I have is I pay a lot of attention to my body. I noticed in my own experience that there is a strong connection between my body and my mind and also how I'm showing up. So are you paying attention to all the little things that are happening in your body? Do you know what makes you tick? Do you know what happens to your body when you get really upset or when you're really happy? But I think it's just about this mindfulness practice and just really noticing how you show up can make a world of difference in how we have better disagreements. I discussed in a previous podcast about my therapy journey and how I've been in therapy for over 15 years now. And I think that therapy for me around developing and cultivating this practice of really noticing has been kind of one of the biggest areas of support for me. So being able to go in and really deal with some crunchy kind of you know uncomfortable things And really have to sit there and just really pay attention to what's happening to me has really been helpful. But I think there's ways that you can support yourself if you don't have access to a therapist is just start sitting more and just taking notice, whether it's you want to call it meditation or just mindfulness or even just resting. Notice the sensations in your body. Do a scan. Do a scan from your feet to your head and just notice. Again, with that open curiosity, not a why is my leg hurting? Or, oh man, my, my foot feels like there's something in it and, oh, I don't like it. But just this open, like, oh, I noticed that, you know, there's a little tingling in my foot. And, oh, I noticed that my shoulders feel a little tight. And I notice, I feel like when I frame kind of the, or the, the thought around, I notice tends to make me feel less activated and I can just be more curious. So being in therapy has really helped me a lot cultivate that, but it's been very fascinating. I've had numerous experiences in my therapy journey where I've had these very profound moments of noticing where you're really tuned into kind of that second channel communication and what dialogue's kind of playing in the background. And then as you move through it even more, you start to notice how that's really driving decisions that you're making unconsciously, right? You're not noticing how these other kind of dialogues that might be rooted in traumas or fears or experiences that have happened to you in your life, um, we don't really notice how much that takes hold and takes center stage and really drives how we make decisions and how we interact with people. I believe that that's at the root of a lot of unconscious biases as well. But I think it's just really beneficial to really cultivate that mindfulness and that observation and that curiosity of just how you're showing up in everyday life. So the next step that I go to after I kind of cultivate and kind of notice that dialogue and get really curious, I really want to explore and kind of dive a little bit deeper because what I'm interested in is, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, is what am I afraid of or what am I trying to protect if I challenge this belief and it ended up not being true? I find when we give ourselves that space, we have the ability to tune into what that dialogue is. And then we're able to differentiate between what is happening in that conversation and what we really want to bring forward so that the other person can hear us. So I can understand 
you know, where you're coming from, you can understand where I'm coming from. But if we can identify what that is, we can start to see that we will identify that shared common ground or that shared experience. Because I do truly believe that if we have that common goal in mind, if we can identify what that is, we can talk through ways to get there and we can be more open and be more curious about maybe different ways of doing things. And if we can be less attached to whatever we're feeling or whatever that belief is, we can find our way to that outcome. I see this actually a lot in the workplace. And I see a lot of people feeling like they want to be you know, in control. They want to assert their authority or their power. They want to be seen as a thought leader, or they think that controlling people or ideas, it's really just self-serving. But how can we shift our mindset that so that we're more open, you know, more curious, we are being less fixed to our ideas because it's not really attached to us. I feel that can help kind of jumpstart this process is by really just identifying, is this self-serving or am I really trying to come to this conversation to have an open discussion about a topic that I feel really passionate about? You know, the second thing I would focus on is really cultivating that curiosity. So are you able to remain curious just a little bit longer? Or do you notice that you jump to wanting to find that solution or solve that problem or prove your point? You know, I firmly believe that people really want, don't really want you to solve their problems. They don't really want your advice, even if they ask for it. What I really believe that people are asking for is just to hear them, just to see them, just to validate them in some way. They just want someone to listen. They just want someone to say, you're not alone and you matter and you have purpose here. And if we are able to control that second channel communication and we're able to be much more present with someone, we might find that actually some of the discourse naturally alleviates itself and we're able just to be present so that we can open the door for that curiosity so that you can find that common ground. Now, this doesn't mean you have to necessarily buy into whatever their belief is, or you have to just give in and agree just to, you know, end the discussion. I understand, you know, repeating and reflecting back also works really well. And just reflecting back what you're hearing and noticing why all of this is happening, it tells the person, hey, I'm listening, but then you can also tap into that second channel communication of your own. So, you're, so that you can stay super curious and you're just being really present and you're not feeling that attached feeling. I would challenge you to notice what's happening inside of your body as well while all of this is going on, because you'll notice that a lot of this discomfort also might start to shift. You might feel a certain way in the beginning of the conversation, and then you'll notice things start to get activated as you might get more heated or passionate about the topic. You might notice numbness in your arms or your legs or your feet, but just really taking note and noticing those somatic responses in your body will actually add a ton of value for you to that conversation. Because again, the more you start noticing what's happening inside of you, you can start controlling more of what comes out of you. So it's not about, you know, letting all of the, everything that's happening inside kind of bleed out into the conversation and take control, but just having a way of noticing and helping yourself regulate so that you can be as fully present as possible. By developing this deeper level of consciousness and having more time to pause and just be curious and notice 
I've found I am able to make better choices in the moment. So if I'm heated in the discussion, let's say it was somebody, and we don't agree on something, let's say at work, if I start to notice these things and I just stop trying to actually solve the problem or prove my point, I just really tried to listen for that common ground and that basic understanding. And I was being really curious. It's very fascinating what happens that I've noticed that a lot of times that second channel communication starts to get quieter. And I don't feel that same compulsive, you know, need to lash out or to really defend whatever that belief is that I have. I find that within families and especially within organizations too, if we develop those simple practices over time and really just start to get curious with others and with ourselves, we can start to notice what's happening and not go into these things thinking like you have to prove a point or you have to solve a problem, but just to be present and understand someone else's experience, I think is the most valuable gift you can give to somebody. And I think you might actually be surprised at how much you actually have in common. And you, you know, I actually had a client of mine earlier today come to me and we had this discussion about what is real versus what is true. And, you know, this is a topic that's actually fascinated me for quite some time because it's actually a question that my therapist has posed to me in many of our sessions when I'm feeling either like a strong belief or a strong feeling towards something and I start talking about it, she'll ask me, does that feel real or, or does that feel true? And a lot of times it feels like a strong emotion or a strong reaction. It feels very real. But have you ever taken a step back and reflected on how true that actually was? Like, let's say, for instance, there's something happening at work and one of your colleagues makes a comment that you interpret as being like an attack and you feel it as an attack, things get activated for you. But when you go and talk to your colleague about it later, they'll say, oh no, like I told, I didn't even mean it in that way. This is what I actually meant. So that's kind of discerning between what's real and what's true is what's real is what feels real to us. That reaction, that feeling, that memory, that trauma, that feels very, very real. Now, Every all the context we have around it, is that really true? Is there a way to discern that? And at first, I was I was a little taken aback. I really didn't understand the concept, but by kind of differentiating that, what feels real to us, and how there might be a difference between how we interpret our feelings and what we feel when someone does or says something to us, and actually validating against if it's actually true or not. And I know I've come across this many times in my life, and a client was expressing this earlier today when we were talking about how she was feeling in regards to some reactions she was having um, based on some things that she's experiencing. So we were having a discussion um, about it, and I asked her to look at it from this real versus true lens. And the truth of the matter is that most of the things that we worry about most of the things that we feel very, very strongly about may not actually be true. And that's okay. And at the same time, I acknowledge they can feel very, very real to us based on our own experiences. But can we challenge ourselves to say, is that actually true? So when you think of it and you're in a, you know, a really heated discussion or how you want to have more productive disagreements, challenge yourself a little bit and ask yourself, does this feel real or is it actually true? I, I challenge you to really start exploring that and starting to take a look at 
your own emotions. And when you have really strong beliefs or reactions to things, asking yourself that question, does this feel real? And is it true? I think you might be surprised at how often your answer might be, yes, this feels really, really real. And I don't know if that is actually true. And again, that is okay. You know, talking about many, many different issues and places where we tend to disagree, I think we could actually start, again, getting to that common ground. If we could start discerning between what is it that I'm feeling, what feels real to me, and what is the person actually saying? What do I know to be true? And looking at it through that lens, honestly, has really helped me a lot in just really trying to discern my own feelings and emotions, especially when I'm in a situation that's really triggering to me. It really helps me take that pause and go, okay, Jen, is this feel real right now? Yes, it feels really, really real. That feeling, you know, that interpretation your mind is having on that feeling, is that true? And it's really wild, but honestly, a lot of times for me, the answer has been no. Like, it's not true. Like, no, someone is not out to get me. Someone is now not out intentionally trying to hurt me. Finding that common ground, that can be super tricky. But I think if we allow ourselves to be curious and really notice what's coming up for us, allows you to make better choices in the moment so that you can be more productive in that conversation. You know, I fully acknowledge that we can't control other people. We can only come forward with our best, truest selves and do the work that we can do to kind of manage ourselves so that we can have better, more productive conversations. And the whole premise behind the In The Lead podcast is actually my own practice for how I show up in my daily life and things that I want to cultivate so that I can show up in conversations in a more productive way. So I can be more curious. I can tune into that second channel communication. I can challenge my own beliefs. You know, is this real or is this true? Can it be both? Can it be that it's just not true? But I'm feeling it as a real experience, really starting to identify that has really helped me to be able to shift my mindset and make different choices in those moments. It's also allowed me to be able to stay really curious with other people because if I'm not super attached to a belief or an idea and I'm able to stay open and kind of in that observer space, I'm able to create a lot more space for others to just be open and curious with me. And then we can disagree more productively. We don't necessarily need to agree with each other. We don't need to argue. We don't we can just show up in a space and have a conversation and also leave that space both feeling whole. Now, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we just need to give in to someone or just, you know, give up, but how do we continue to stretch ourselves on an everyday basis to also then ex- extend that stretching to someone else and to also get deeper understandings about and insights into ourselves also leads to gaining deeper insights into other people as well. So coming back to that over and over again, finding that common ground, just being super curious and super open is a practice of consciousness and kind of a noticing your own behaviors that I've developed over the years that I found really, really helpful in how do I show up and be more present with others. One last trick that I've picked up over the years that I wanted to share with you all is the acronym WAIT. 
So this is something that I also learned in my coach training program, but it was about how, again, tapping into that second channel communication and taking more pauses and really cultivating that silence. But WAIT stands for why am I talking? So I know there are times when we really feel like we want to get our point across. There's times in arguments or when we're having discourse that we really want people to hear us. I find that asking myself, you know, why am I talking? Has this ability to create much more space for me to get curious. It reminds me, okay, I feel this need to want to interject or really state my opinion or get very um, attached to a feeling or belief, but it helps me to take that pause. And what would happen if you told yourself to wait the next time you are in a passionate discussion on a topic you had a really strong belief towards? What would happen if you paused and just noticed what was happening inside you and all around you? You know, I think it's something, you know, like we were talking last week on the show with Rebecca McNeil. This practice is something that you cultivate over time. It's not something that you just flip a switch and you have become more conscious and more aware and you're able to wait. But are we giving people enough space? Are we allowing others to fully communicate? Um, are we creating different intentions when we go into a conversation where we know it's going to be either a heated disagreement so that we can be more curious and we can find that common ground? I think we all, I believe actually, that we all have the capability, the resources, and the ability to be able to do these things. It's just a matter of how do we develop and cultivate these practices for us to be able to master those tools, not let those resources and things within us kind of take control. Because again, what I've noticed in my own therapy work is that a lot of times those things are rooted in trauma and fear and like childhood stuff. So imagine, I always have this like metaphor in my mind of who's driving the car? Are the kids in the back seat taking over and driving the car and I'm sitting in the back seat? Am I letting kind of some of that childhood stuff kind of take center stage and really get behind the wheel and start driving? I mean, if we think about that, would we allow children to take control of the car while we sat, you know, maybe lay down in the back seat and just let them take us wherever we need to go? Of course not. I mean, we would never allow that to happen. But also at the same time, it's not about yanking the kids out of the front seat and throwing them in the back seat and yelling at them saying, don't ever do that again. It's about developing and cultivating this new relationship with ourselves. So again, tapping into that second channel communication, understanding all of that. And if you have the desire, really peeling back the layers, understanding where that comes from, what traumas it might be rooted in, what values it might be protecting. And then really just cultivating this new relationship of curiosity with it that empowers you and leaves you feeling like you are in control of your experience and you have a lot more control than you might think about how you show up, how, how you come to conversations and are able to dis disagree more productively. I feel like just looking again around the world today, we have so much opportunity. And the great thing about life is that we're presented with opportunities in every moment. And I believe that in every moment, life is just pulling us back to say, come back here, sit right here with this discomfort or whatever's right in front of you and just be super present with it. 
I challenge you to stay curious just a little bit longer and look forward to our next episode. Mm-hmm.